When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Peacock Streaming, the biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Good morning and welcome to a special edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here today with Dan. Hello. I am here with uh, a special guest. Um, his name's Trent. Trent, would you like to introduce yourself as, for, for, through your internet pseudonym? Yeah, no, no, my name's Trent and I am a uh, consummate LeGrove poster, I should say. <laughs> yes, proper. And lover, school. and um, it's kind of got me through many years of anger. So yes, I post on there as Sal Paradise NYC. Uh, na- a naturalized uh, Brit as well, despite the accent. Yeah, no, bit of both. I'm, I'm a proper mixie. Stoke, Stoke Newington used yeah, to be the uh, stomping ground. Stoke Newington. Walk over to the Highbury, and is um like tell them the weird story about how uh, how you and Dan met. Yeah, so Dan and I were you know kind of getting through the Venga years and trying to figure it out on the Grove thanks to Pete's forum, and uh, we realized at one point that we literally lived right next to each other in the city. <laughs> like literally, he was, he was out my bathroom away. window. <laughs> And I would uh, yeah, but that's appearing. another story that you know I can't we can't talk about on the show. Yeah, that's um <laughs> that's the power of Legros bringing people yeah, together yeah. since uh, 2007. We were looking for answers and we found each other. Yes, so we've got lots of things to get through today because we didn't manage to do a podcast last week about the Venga gone situation. Um, but there's also a, a, a lots of other things to talk about. We've got to talk about the Europa League performance um, last week. Um, what's coming this week. Then we're going to talk about the Man United game today. Not as bad as we thought it was going to be. But a little sad, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, well, we can we can jump into but that. But not bad, not bad. It just had nothing to play for written all over it. Yeah. Yeah, bit of a, bit That's of a what was sad about way it. to exit. <laughs> right. Then we can talk about Wenger going, what happened there. Then we can talk about the new managerial merry-go-round because it's nice to actually be on the merry-go-round for once, to be invited to the fair, to jump on that little wooden horse um, and have some real conversations for once instead of just fantasizing you about know, what could be. The merry-go-round for real is is what the, the surrealness of it is. It's actually happening. Right. And it looks like our, our links are even improving from even a couple months ago, I think. So it's, it's feeling very real and exciting now. We're getting yeah. close. Genuinely excited about next season. Genuinely yeah. excited to be an Arsenal fan. And I know, I know it sounds terrible, but I haven't been excited to be an Arsenal oh. fan for quite a number of years. 2009. Yeah. And because of the predictability of, yeah. of what you're about to see. And I think that we can probably say that everybody predicted 
what was going to happen um, today. Um, but we will head into section two right now. So, Arsenal versus Man United. Jose Mourinho, um, Man United away from home. The opportunity for Wenger to finally get one over. His arch nemesis um, didn't happen. Top line thoughts on uh, on the game today. Uh, it was, uh, it was uh, like I said, a bit of a sad affair because it, it really just felt like a, an exhibition or it felt like a testimonial game, you know, where you, it's the last big Premier League game, but it, it doesn't have the big clash you know there's no there's no like big excitement about it it just feels like the the closing the doors on on the end of an era and it was just uh i don't know a bit of a bit of a depressing atmosphere for me although we did put out um something somewhat of a fun team i thought with a a lot of youngsters getting a good time out there so mixed feelings i don't know but ultimately it was i don't know it was it was a little depressing you know Trent, what were you thinking? How, how did you feel I about mean, the game? I think for Wenger to go out at Old Trafford with, with Fellaini scoring a 90th-minute goal says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the metaphor of that's it's, it's what it should yeah, be. It's, just, just, it's, it's like fitting in the a, worst a way. A jammer right? scoring yeah. a goal. It's like, oh, oh terrible Make goal. it end. I thought it, was, I thought it was fitting. I thought it was comforting. I thought it was predictable. Comforting? Was, yeah, <laughs> I, there, was, there was an element of, of comfort. Wenger beating Mourinho in his last I mean, Mourinho match-off, then going out on Thursday and then beating Simeone, you'd start to sort of get those Wengerin feelings coming back. So it was nice that... Uh, it, 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 i tell you what was great about it. Um, when we put out a banter team in 2011... We got absolutely destroyed. And I was getting phone calls from people in and around Arsenal before the game saying, this is this is hide behind your couch territory. We're going to get destroyed. I kind of had um, feelings that that might happen today, but I think it was maybe a, it was maybe a showcase of how we've developed since uh, 2011. Like, that was a, a fairly strong performance. It wasn't elite by any stretch of the imagination, but it was great to see the young kids... Uh, play with a bit of heart, play with some structure. They certainly didn't get bullied. And if we're honest, the most disappointing player out there today really was Jacka. And he's a £35 million superstar, supposed superstar um, from, from Germany. So a lot of positives. Um, so, but why don't we just, why, why don't we get into the, into the mix of, of some of the details? Jacka, a lot of tweets going around before the game about he made some passes, he made some tackles. This was the second coming. I think anybody that's watched him closely this season knew that um, Jack are playing against teams that don't press him and 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 don't hustle him from a physical perspective. Um, when he's allowed to play, he can play. Um, wh- what did we think about Jack's performance today? Uh, he's a player for me that's never really made sense. You kind of always wanted like a Gilberto or I'm sorry, Gilberto to come in and be like just a fierce player that could control the situation. And when I see Jack play, he just scares the living shit out of me um yeah he's uh feel bad because everyone was excited again because he looked really good the past past two months maybe but the, yeah, sec- the second you, the second moments. you go up against a tough team like yeah i mean everyone, everyone got overexcited because he he did the business against atletico madrid but of course when you're playing against 10 men in their own half the whole game he's never going to look bad he's only exposed when he's playing against you know competent players attacking him because he's his his problem is uh, lapses of concentration, poor tackling, you know, switching off things like that. So 
you, you then you get into today's game and it's it's like headless chicken mode again, just like stamping players sliding around. Uh, just so many. Like he could still pass. He's a great passer. Did but, he put but, them all through to Mkhitaryan? Was that him? He did. Yes. Yeah. He did. He lost the ball first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he lost the ball, then won it back, and everyone was like, "Jackass!" <laughs> even even the context of his assist was a bit of a nightmare. And I think that one of the biggest poisons. That's, that's such an exaggeration. I'm being such a drama queen over here. <laughs> one, of, one, yeah, one of the biggest poisons on the internet is data. Uh, and people Too much. Who are, yeah, like the data is nothing without context. And I think Jacka flattest is deceived with the numbers. He plays a lot of passes, um, like he's against shit teams, but he can he can do some damage. Um, but today showed exactly why uh, data in these contexts like, nearly got sent off um, in in the opening ten minutes with a horrendous challenge on Sanchez. I was surprised that Sanchez was so like smiley after it. He really had his ankle crunched. Then he, gave, more to it than that, then he gave the then he gave the ball away. Uh and, and they nearly scored. Then he had that ridiculous slide tackle. He missed by about a yard <laughs> in the build up to their goal. I, I like that was just like a FIFA style when you you're just mashing the button to slide out down there and jumping up and down at that <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah. It's so absurd. The gap between midfield and defense was disgraceful. I mean if you you want to class yourself as an intelligent player and you're the the most senior body in that midfield, you should be tightening that gap um in some way, shape or form. And especially don't let a gap get that big if you don't have the physicality or the, the presence to to be able to to to, to make up the, the space. It's so, surreal to see someone like him with the captain's armband on too. When when he's he's a player who what is he while good he's at, got while he's got I mean he's got great passing ability. You can spread it out, but beyond like if if he's a player that needs help, to, like he's got so many liabilities that he can't he can't boss game himself. You know he he's he's got too many things you need to make up for with other players like. And for that to be your your captain is just such a weird message but for me. It just goes to show you how little respect Wenger's got for that captain's armband. Right. It's not really an honor for uh, for Arsenal, is it? Like he always gives it to somebody who's either not in the squad or someone who's injured, and now he's giving it to a player <laughs> who I don't I don't think I've ever seen a player in Arsenal's midfield make as many mistakes that lead to a goal as Jacka. Like I, I don't know why there isn't a, a stat doing the rounds, but. At, he is always in and around uh, a goal, and it's always a mistake or something that he's done Danielson. that isn't quite right. Peter Jack? I don't know whether Danielson. Uh, Danielson was a was a very bland player, but I can't. I don't remember him. I being feel. I feel like errors of him are just. He, he was pretty error prone. Yeah, yeah just, I think oh. he was. Yeah, and he would always attempt that shot from outside the box. That you know, I mean, occasionally he'd go in, but for the most part, it's just like, <laughs> but, but also like Danielson. Danielson was a very similar player, wasn't he? He had. A nice range of passing from the base of midfield, but zero equally pace. nice hair. Nilsson's yeah. range of passing was more like three to four yards most of the time, I think. Yeah, <laughs> well, but we did that. keep it a lot the tighter back then. The so. crab. <laughs> but um, but he got he got an assist, um, which will look great. And that was a nice the, goal, Mick. Yeah, it, it it really it, was. For some reason, it felt like it was in slow motion. It was happening. It just uh, the, the space opened well up. From I was like, did they give him that goal? What just happened there? <laughs> but, so what? So what do you think? It, under a, under a proper manager. Does Jacka become the player we need, or if you don't have physical attributes, what, working at the base of a midfield in the Premier League is is going to be difficult. And also, if you, like, if you if you can you clear mistakes out of a player's game that many? It, I mean, if we get somebody in that has a bit of organization to him, I think Jack would make sense. 
And who that manager is, I don't know. Like, do you think like Max Allegri could marshal him think, into into I top think form? Be, we would be unrecognizable with Allegri, <laughs> and we would be watching that. And we'd be like, "What? Who's this side? Where did they come from? And where were they a year ago?" So you think it's worth holding on to him at least at least another season to see what becomes of him? Yeah, I do. Too early to give up, Pete. Too, Too early to give up. You look like you've given up already. I've given up. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't see how he can recover from being that era strewn and I, I think at the core of it in the premier league you need to have somebody with mobility power uh, and pace that sits in place of your midfield you, you need know to who's have... got mobility power and pace ainsley maitland niles oh, wonderful segue how is, how is he how is he he's my new drug <laughs> i love that guy i i've been saying since god knows when that he should be given a run um, in our midfield and he played today like a superstar I think the thing that impressed me the most is we knew that he had the physical capabilities to to play that role like he's got everything that Kante has like he's fast he's fit he's strong but what really shone today in the center of midfield for me was his speed of thought like some of those flicks the little flick that he, I can't remember who he laid off but he was almost a back heel into the path of someone oncoming like very early on in the game like he was um He's very keen to, I, I thought he would sit deeper, but he kind of played more of a box-to-box role today. Mm-hmm. But he didn't waste a lot, um, made some great tackles, opened up space uh, all over the place. Thought he, he, And he just looks like he's got that that focus um, that a lot of young players don't have. A lot of, you get the, the deer in headlights thing with a lot of young players. But I feel like him, Eddie... Um, maybe not so much Reese, but I feel like Reese could be a good player with a bit more time. It feels like he's got a little bit more work to do. But uh, Ashley Maitland-Niles, I would, I, I, he should be starting 20, 30 games yeah. next season. I think he's a real, real talent. Yeah, I think he will be. It's almost a we'll shame that he's done so much time on at fullback positions when when he's shown what he can do in the middle. You know, I'm, I'm glad he's finally getting some time there. I mean, is he like Wenger's last great development project? Because I think he's been at the club like 10 years or something like that or since he was a kid, right? He has. He could be. I mean, in terms of jacket, it's like, you know, if you can upgrade him, it depends who you upgrade him with. If you can find somebody better, then I think we'd all be for upgrade him. Right. The but, weird thing is people say like, well, ja- you know, Jocko's got mistakes this game, but he's still 25. But I mean, Maitland-Niles looked much better today and he's he's only 20. And he's and built for the valid, Premier League. Valid point. And it, but uh, Maitland-Niles is built for the Premier League, right? He's got, you, he absolutely. He's got the physicality for it. Absolutely. And, and I think whoever we bring in is going to play uh, an open, aggressive, forward-thinking game. So it doesn't make sense to have your 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 deepest midfielder not having the pace, right? You're always going to need someone with recovery pace in that side. That's why I, I don't understand what they were thinking about when they were signing him. If you want to play um, like a slow build game from the back, then I, I can understand um, a jacker. But if you want to play like counter-attacking football or like packing out their box, trying to like thread uh, balls through a needle, uh, the eye of a needle, then make the Niles style players uh, are going to be your in. Fenger was looking at the, the Bundesliga players of the year and was like, <laughs> holding mid, Xhaka, he's in. <laughs> Kolasinac, he's in. <laughs> well, I, I, I was told that the thinking behind Xhaka, because they because Kante was, he was offered to Arsenal and um, from what I understand, he he would have come. The, uh, Should have the, come. The, yeah, the, the, the thinking behind uh, Xhaka was um, that season, I think it was 2015, Coquelin had just done the best numbers in Europe 
from like interceptions, tackles, like ground covered, like from Opta's perspective or whatever, he was he was the best defensive midfielder in Europe. And the club believed if you had Coughlin doing the dirty work and Jacka uh, like distributing the ball on his behalf, that was your near perfect combo. So they passed on Kante. On reflection, that feels like a bad decision. It does. But, well, yeah, the, but that, you could, that was you could the, see the, was, thinking, the thinking, though. They're yeah, op- the opposite players, really. Just Coquelin, total defensive game. And uh, Jaka more just like completely relying on his playmaking for and, deep. And also, don't we think that the, the hilarious thing about Jaka is that I, I think in Wenger's later years, he wasn't watching the videos. Because I think it was October of 2015. He was like... Jacker's, uh, I see him as a box-to-box player. I mean, <laughs> like, awesome. I think he just likes what? to say that. I yeah. think he just enjoys the phrase. Yeah. <laughs> and just before we move on from um, Ainsley, um, do you think that when a new manager comes in, he will play players in the incorrect position early on in the same way that Wenger does and then move them towards the middle? Is that, or is that just a Wenger thing? Do you think that we would? Do you think if Allegri came in, he would be playing uh, Maitland-Niles as a fullback, or do you think he would say it's best to develop a player in the position they like playing? Because I feel like we've lost a lot of um, a lot of talent or underdeveloped talent because we don't play them in the right positions. Theo Walker always wanted to be a striker. Chamberlain always wanted to be a centre midfielder. Um, even even Jack Wilshere wanted to play uh, a deep li- a deep lying role, and Wenger insisted that he was a ten. I feel like a lot of the young players yeah. that we've had have always had these like stuttery developments because Wenger, you have to prove yourself in in this style before I'll move you into your correct position. It always felt a little bit odd. What do what do we think on that? I agree. I think one of the one of Wenger's problems later on in his career is he he tends to to go with favorites over over tactics, you know, and that. That's a direct product of that. If, if he has a player who wants to develop, you know, or if he has, if he likes Jack, you know, he's going to play him up at ten because that's where he sees them. That's where he likes him. That's where he likes him to be. You know, if he's if he's got a guy he wants to apprentice, you know, because he'll throw him on the wing or he'll throw him at fullback, like in Maitland Niles' case. So I, I think that'll change. I don't think any. I don't know if other managers do that. I mean, I'm sure some do, but no, surely no one does it as much as Wenger does. Trent, what do you think? You watch I mean, football? I I think Wenger indulges many players with too much. I think Oxley is a very good example of that. Like Ox played everywhere. Oh right, yeah. And we never That's really kind of quite figured out his position. And then he goes off and he's playing for Klopp and he's playing a little further back and he's he's doing like he's doing the job until he got injured, which was unfortunate. Right. And oddly, Wenger yeah. even said multiple times he saw him as a central midfield player and yet barely ever played him there. No. Yeah. And same with same with Walcott. He had that little moment at number ten, and you're like, or, I'm sorry, he's a, a center forward. Oh, you're yeah. like, what is he doing? Like, I'm a striker. No, I'm just kidding. I'm a winger. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm gonna yeah. play. And then Walcott even came out and said, you know what? I'm yeah. I'm better coming in from the right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, Walcott uh, on reflection just should have learned um, the art of the Robin. Yeah. Get yourself one move, just get really <laughs> fucking good at it. And nail it. Because you're faster than everybody. He uh, did. It's straight line sprinting, baby. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that, I felt like that was a, a positive section. Let's move on to a more negative section. Mm. The game was finished by Fellaini. Lump it to the big man. Um, my gut feel says that an old black, a De Gea, a Courtois would have saved that. Would it, like, I mean, at this stage, there's not much Oblock's not going to say. <laughs> yeah, very good point. 
what do we yeah. um, what do we what do we think what do we think of I, I, think, Spina? I think we're all in we, we need a new keeper there's no doubt about unless Ospina is going to grow six inches in the offseason we've got to, I can't Ospina will go down injured within like yeah. the first 15 minutes of his new contract and that'll be that yeah, we've got that's But then he'll come back halfway through the game and be like, I'm feeling it again. Keeper has <laughs> gotta be a huge huge priority going forward. That I Do I don't we know. think it'll be uh Czech or Espina on Thursday? I think Czech. You think he's back in? Yeah. Mm. You think that, that today mm. was because it was odd that Czech wasn't playing. I think he's back in. I I I mean I who knows? It's it we're in new territory right now. I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't even genuinely think Banger knows. I really don't. No. Do you? I've got no idea. All I know is that we need a a clear out of those two. In the summer, it's such a shame that it went so badly for Czech. But I kind of feel the game passed him by a little bit. Like you do need to be able to play with your feet. You look at the best keepers in the world at the moment, mm-hmm. like uh, Allison, Edison, Old Black. They can all play the ball out um, from the back. And I think that I've said it before. It is amazing that of all the weird innovations Wenger's had over the years, one of his innovations was should have been uh, a a goalkeeper that can play like a number 10. I'm just surprised that he never wanted that for his sides. You would have thought that he would have been trying that. He would have been shifting in. It's the position uh, he's always neglected. He's always neglected keeper in some way. Like always been an afterthought. Jens is the last one that really could, could could stop, you know, but Ospina never made sense to me as a signing. He came in and I was like, who is this? Who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah, South American. Yeah. Solid shot stopper. Not tall enough for the league. Not tall enough for the league. And then, I mean, he literally gets an injury within every... It's I mean, not you, the league. You, he's not tall enough for the he, goal frame. I've, like, I've got a WhatsApp text from Pete. He's like, "Here, wait wait for it. Wait for it. Here it comes. And he's down. <laughs> I like that he also makes Czech get up from the bench as yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> wait for your partner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay. We're, we're, all, we're all agreed on the keeper. So, another exciting player that we had today... Uh, flashback uh, to 2000 I don't know it must have been like 2008 2009 maybe earlier um Stepanov's um away uh, Manchester United he'd had a few good games um we thought Stepanov's was the new yap stamp uh and then he got absolutely <laughs> got absolutely destroyed and that game ended him which I think it was it was it 6-1 that game I don't know but he was he was utterly tripe and I had, um, I had, I had the fear today. Uh, Mavam, Mavra, I can't say it. Mavrapanos, Mavrapanos, Mavrapanos. Oh yeah, the, the, new, the new guy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. like he looked, he looked big. And to that his uh, debut today was really a test of diamond eye, Sven Mislintat, <laughs> right? He's he's bought a lot of players from Dortmund. He seems to be good at that. Yeah, that but, was. What, like, did he did, did he have the eye um, that for was, a young yeah, player that's coming his proper, through? That's his proper scouting move, right there. Now, you know, everyone yeah. knew, everyone knew the Dortmund players he brought over, but you know, did he did he find a gem? Maybe I, I think he did because he I looked think... pretty good. He looked pretty good. Graham Sunes had some nice things to say about him. Apparently, Mourinho yeah. had some nice things oh, to wow. say about him. It's a very solid game. It's a solid lad too. I, th- I like his stature. Yeah. Mourinho will buy him this summer. Yeah. <laughs> so what do we, so what do we think? Uh, like, is he a win? Hard to say off one exhibition game, but yeah, he looks he looks pretty <laughs> one good. One exhibition so, game looks yeah. good so far. That we lost to a late yeah. header from uh, Fellaini. I, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was positive, and if we can sign, it would be nice to fill out um, the reserve team with young, promising players rather than journeyman cloggers. 
um, next season. So hopefully we can have a clear out and, and bring through more players like that. Make the uh, make the second string a little bit more like it was, a little bit more like it looked in the sort of 2007 onwards. When, uh, Which when, is the last time we won at uh, Old Trafford, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> 10 years, unbelievable. So um, we lost the game, um, all felt a little bit familiar, but really it doesn't matter because um, the main course um, was not the league. The main course is this Thursday. Um, we head over to uh, Madrid against a team that has only lost once at home this season to Chelsea in the Champions League. I believe in, I haven't seen the result today, but I believe in their last 11 games, they've kept 10 clean sheets. Yeah, um, they've, they've turned the new stadium into the inferno. It's going to be, I mean, we know what we're up against. Yeah, we've got to score too. It's going to be tough. We do have to score. So how do we, So, but we score one goal, which we're more than capable of. It's game on. Um, do we think, uh, do we think that there's a chance? Mkhitaryan's going to be back. He had an incredible game. Um, not incredible, that's uh, over the top. He had a very good game he had a really today. Good game. Yeah. He was, um, he, he looked very sprightly. Um, he was threatening in front of goal. Mm-hmm. Um, he added a, a, a level of maturity um, to the side, um, which I think we were lacking. And he has a bit of flair. Do we think the? Uh, do we think that there's a chance that we can unpick um, Atleti next Thursday? What do we think? I'll give it a small chance because we definitely created a ton of chances when we played them. 25 but attempts. Something like that. Yeah, but the but they were down to man the, the entire match. So it's well, really the first, hard the first to say. 10 minutes were really promising. You, you felt like it was coming, the goal's coming, and then you get you know, well back doing his thing, and which is not great. <laughs> but um, I I don't know. I, I think we probably have a 30% chance of getting through that, and that's optimistic. That, seem, that seems fair, yeah, because yeah. they're, they're, they're just such a solid unit. They're near impossible to break down when they want to be stout. And don't want to be broken and down. And they can essentially get away with a zero zero. So yeah, and they they can get away with zero zero. And as we've seen, all all they need is one one Griezmann breakaway to mm. to change everything. It's interesting with managers like Mourinho and Simeone. They give you the impression you've got a, a chance, and they've been doing that for years. Like how many times did we go and play Chelsea? And you're like, oh, we've got all the possession. We've got all the possession. But the the strategy is to give us all the possession because you know at some point somebody's going to make a rogue pass and you're going to be able to break. Um, it's the illusion. It is the yeah, it's the illusion. And I, I think that that's what's going to be exciting about having a new manager. There, there's something in uh, insanely predictable about Wenger. Um, what he brings to the side, you know, there should be some sort of surprise. There should be, we should be able to bring something um, to uh, like in an away game in the European semi-final in the second leg. There should be something interesting that we could bring that will surprise Simeone or force him to think or put their team on the back foot. But you just know it's not coming. You know that the you know the eleven players that are going to be out there. You know the formation that they're going to play, and you know that if you bide your time and you're patient. you will get you you will get your opportunity to to really drive that nail home. But there's also the fairy tale aspect. Do we believe in fairy tales? <laughs> Not with Arsene Wenger. And that's uh, you've got you've got to say um, that's been almost the sad thing. I I don't know why I thought that him resigning resigning being fired. I don't know why I thought that it was gonna all of a sudden the team were gonna turn it on. And we were going to have like a, 
a, a great way into the end of the season. Like it's been appalling. We're it's, just, been, it's almost been worse. We're just not that good. Well, the, I mean, the fans have gotten behind the team. That you know, the stadium filled up again, but the the team still has you know limitations and how well it can play, and that's that's not going to be overcome. And that's what's that's what's hard about the end of this of Wenger's career is it's just kind of dragging out here and we've got to put all our eggs in this one basket. It's just sad, like the state we've got to, right? Where we, we're really just desperate to win a Europa League trophy as that one last hurrah. Top four via the back door. <laughs> it's <laughs> a weird way thing. to go. It's a weird thing going from, you know, what was it a week ago or 10 days ago where we saw you know, the, the Arsenal Instagram popped up and it was 2004 Tottenham, the Invincibles. And it was like, you had that moment. I remember that moment. And I was like, I didn't think that moment was ever going to end. I didn't think we were ever going to like, that would be Wenger's last title. And then sure enough, what are we at now? How many years has it been? 14. 14, 14 years. years later. And here we are. I, I that think, is I, fucking surreal. I think he's the, the, the longest man, the, the manager to go the longest without a, a league win. It right? was right to go. But we should move on to uh, part three of the show. And we were talking about um, Arsene Arsene, like Wenger out. Wenger's gone. It's finished. It's over. Where were you when Arsene announced that he was out? D-Day Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> I was in bed uh, awaking to texts from Trent, I think. First of all, I, I was like, you know. Oh, my God, texts. Everything. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, no one Pete's knew what was, was happening. Bed. So, like. <laughs> either you're, like you're, a you're massive battery, literally it's like uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i i sat at my i was sitting at the table ready to write a blog in the morning i was in london which was absolutely perfect and i saw a, a link Arsene Wenger has resigned and i clicked the link and it, it looked like a fake website it was like the bbc <laughs> news ticker yeah you're like, like come on come on like, that, that's that's enough cruel. with the photoshop that's Come mean uh, and then and then it all started to unfold and you were like whoa uh, arsenal have moved um it was uh, it was it was interesting. It was an interesting move, and people say that they were shocked, but I do think that the club really were backed into a corner in the end. I don't like when there was no argument for him to stay on outside of sentimentality. But sentimentality can only work if the will of the people says that they are willing to carry on along that path. But I think fans weren't turning up. Fans were protesting. Arsenal fan TV was going crazy. The blogs were going crazy. The press was going crazy. We let our best player go to United because he didn't really see the club having the right sort of ambition um, to satisfy his needs. For um, repeat of Robin Van Persie. Yeah. Not that we haven't seen that before. Um, players' contracts were in a complete mess. Um, he fucked last summer really badly. Uh, and then we gave him a bunch of good players in January and form continued to dip. I think we've got the worst away, away record in the league um, this season. Haven't picked up a point um, in 2018. Um, time was up, wasn't it? It was up. Yeah, when January was happening, we were debating signing who we were signing and it was all happening. You kind of had the feeling that something was different. Like it just didn't feel right because it's not, Arson's not going to sign Aubameyang in, in January. So you, you knew something was afoot. Mm. I have to say, I was, and you had an interesting still, point, Dan, when you said like, when you said that when Josh came and Josh Kroenke, the the son of the owner, came in and he he was there. Yeah, we talked about that yeah. a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? That he had spent some time in London and he was seemed like he must have been reviewing reviewing all accounts and 
and seeing what the proper move was there and maybe maybe just being there and witnessing all those half empty stadiums is what finally did it i mean in the end it was we, we thought Cronky was was it evil but his son is the one that probably <laughs> his son was the one he's the executioner he's now yeah. the savior yeah. i think that part of um part of the desire to do something different was fueled by the success that the la rams are having hiring a young exciting coach um it must yeah. be nice for stan to for once be getting positive press reviews and i i do think that um maybe they were thinking about it last summer um maybe the club really were worried that they didn't have the right infrastructure in place and maybe it was like look we'll give him another year once we get past the transfer window and we've seen that he's going to fuck it again, then we'll hire the right people. And then if it's it's still terrible in January, let's make a decision. I was, um, I thought that they'd do the merry dance that they did um, the last season, where they let they they let the 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 club go to May, and then the decision yeah, still right. wasn't made. So right. it was it was actually quite. It was, you know, in keeping with Arsenal values, I think that they let him go early so that the fans, so that they wouldn't fire him in the summer with the fans hating him, uh, like with empty stadiums. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's um, a positive. And they've also given themselves enough time to uh, to hire a, a new coach, go through the interview process in the correct fashion, um, and, and make a clean start. Because it's it's um, our season. I think as it stands, could start what eleven days after the World Cup. Because we might have to go into the Europa League qualifiers, Oof. so uh, yeah. big need to to make a move then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was the timing was good because now we've definitely got time to you know get interviews done, figure out what direction we want to move in as a unit and make that happen. And I, I guess um, we felt like we finally did have the infrastructure in place after all the recent hirings after. Gazidis was was definitely powerless compared to Wenger. And that's why I, I personally was still shocked when when he was sacked because I didn't think I thought Wenger controlled his own destiny even to the up until it happened. But it was not the case because I think once once Gazidis built out his executive team, once he once he added Raul and Sven, I think they probably felt like they had the club organizationally in shape where they could move on from there. And they probably felt they could stand up to Wenger and say, the results aren't there. You know, you're fucking with our income, fucking with our attendance figures. So uh, we we know we can make the move now. We've got the personnel who can help us decide who who they know football. Got some guys that got contacts with with big time managers. You know, we, we feel secure moving on. We don't feel lost anymore. Trent, how do you feel about it? I mean, I kind of feel like there's has to be more of a plan in, in, in uh, effect than, than Gazidis is leading on to believe. It's like if, if he's going to go into this meeting with Wenger and he's going he's gonna to let him go, I feel like he has a really good idea who he wants to bring in next. I, I, you know, we're going to interview five people. We're going to have a short list. I think he's he either got it nailed on or he's got it down to two and he's ready. I do. I, I have that thought. You think he's already down to two? I think he's. I think he's down to one. He's just got to convince everybody. You don't. You don't go into that meeting and fire him without knowing exactly what your next move is. I wouldn't. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of names still floating around. I think maybe they have an idea what they want to do, but there's there's got to be a few candidates they feel fit the bill. I, I think they've got. I think they've got time. You know, they they've got a couple of weeks where they can sort it out and see who see who has the best interview, the best plan. 
you know, who's got the, because what we really need is vision, right? It's gotten very stale in the past couple of years if we're just being dead honest. And they want to see who's who's got the vision to take us, you know, get us back on track or, you know, what, what direction do we go as a club now? Well, I think it's going to be someone relatively new because it's just the money situation when you've got like an Enrique so saying. Before we move on to that. Yeah, sorry. Legacy. Wenger. Big question. Uh, he's left. Everyone thought it would be a victory lap of honor. Hasn't gone that way. People aren't singing. There's only one. Arsene Wenger. Trent, what do you think Wenger's legacy is going to be? Like, How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, it touches back to what we were talking about earlier, where it was, you know, 2004 and he had all that going for him. And then we went into 2006, lost that final. And you just felt like there was so much more. And it hasn't panned out in any way. We had Project Youth, which went up in flames. And then it became, you know, it excused the stadium. We built the stadium. We have this. And it's just kind of been one excuse after another. And I mean, I I generally came to your website trying to, you know, see if there were some like-minded people like me out there, like... Because you turn the TV on, it was Wenger in, you know, one arson Wenger. And then I found through your site that I wasn't the only one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which do, made me immensely happy. Do, and I came across you, some interesting characters. Do you think fans will reflect on him fondly? Do you think there will be a mixed bag? Or do you think that he's kind of sullied his, uh, his record? I think the elephant in the room is going to be the last 10 years. And he's taken it too far. Had he gone out with an FA Cup, maybe the first, second, even the third, even the Chelsea was the ideal time. But just to, to go out how he's gone and had to be actually removed, it's not a good look. Yeah, that that sticks with you. You know, that'll yeah. that'll probably always be brought up when you talk about him. For the but, man that always says, I finished my contracts. So. Right, yeah, was, was not able to finish. But he's still, I mean, most say... Or many say greatest manager Arsenal's ever had. If, oh, if he is. even if you don't believe that, it's down to him and like the guy that invented white sleeves and floodlights by some accounts. <laughs> yeah, so, no, exactly. so look, you know what I mean. So he's. He, I think he, you could you could put the term modern. Yeah, modern. That's modern man. Yeah, that's yeah. So he's. And there'll be I, some little argue ground. He's, but. Whether his reputation's a bit tarnished or not, he's he's definitely achieved legend status, and you know he'll he'll never fall out of that echelon manager you know as as like bad and poor as the uh the play got in the latter years he he still he still hit the absolute heights you know he's still he's still the only guy that has a you know an undefeated team in the premier league he's still the guy that had the only i think he didn't do anything in the championship yeah. except lose to chelsea in the quarterfinal with a wayne bridge goal <laughs> still <laughs> we right. got to the we're, final we're, we're, we picking, that, we're picking yeah. nits though he's got a gold trophy you know and the uh 2000 was it one two where that i was think at the semifinal it was, uh, yeah. i just saw a tweet from i think uh uh, what's his, zonal marking? What's that guy's name? Yeah, sorry, Mike. Cox. Yeah, Michael, Michael Cox. Michael Cox. Who said? Uh, who, he's like, I don't see it often enough, but uh, another amazing stat is the I think the O one O two team scored a goal in every match, which is another thing I don't think has been done in the Premier. Probably era. the best team I've seen live was the the one the O two team that won. I mean, they were just they would do anything. There was no stopping around. They'd play through you. They'd play counter you. It was just vicious football. It was total fucking football. Yeah, and it's uh, it was such a shame that Wenger moved away from what gave him all the success in the early years. Well, that begs the question: Did he know what gave him the success? It's like it kind of you know you have the argument of it came and it was here, and I I think he did, but I I, th- I think the yeah. do you yeah. buy that he was handicapped by the board? What post stadium move? Yeah, not able to not able to spend or invest how he'd like. I think there are two the, uh, the two strands to that. Absolutely, he was. F- uh, financially handicapped when we moved to the new stadium like if you read um like 
uh, Alex Finn's book, Making a Modern Super Club, and they said that Arsenal didn't actually have the cash to buy Robin Van Persie the first time around, and we had to delay it six months because we couldn't find two million. I was going to say three cash. million dollars or three pounds. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so he was definitely hamstrung, but he also didn't help himself. Like you, it's very difficult to plead poverty when you're racking up a hundred million pound um, wage bill. Like if if your if your total budget is a hundred million a season, take your wage bill to sixty million, which still would have been twenty million more um, than Leicester City had when they won the Premier League in 2015. Like it, he he blew all of his cash on overinflated um, wages and then he had nothing to spend. And then we also went through that stage where he was building the cash reserves. So there was money there, but he just wasn't spending it. And I don't know, I, like, you know, maybe we'll find out when he writes yeah, his book, what I, the reasoning yeah. is behind that. That's, but, that should be the first chapter. And when does what's, that book come what's out? What's up with the bank account? What's going yeah. on there? But I, I certainly, you, you know, in the, the, in the latter years, um, I kind of felt like he used it as a bit of an excuse because maybe he knew that he wasn't able to compete. Like if he could, um, if he could always hide behind the money excuse, it was always going to keep him in a job because he was propping the club up. But the reality is that the reason that he couldn't compete was because, you know, he wasn't managing players fitness. He wasn't very good tactically. Like the mentality of the team, uh, like started to dip. He didn't have the same fighting spirit. So I think, uh, you always knew it was going to come crashing down when he actually had money to spend. And when he did spend money, last five years, he spent it pretty badly. Like we've been through a lot of expensive um, average players um, and we've accrued a, a whole new batch of players that you could call dead wood. So I think that he's, I think that his legacy will be, he brought the genius to the Premier League. He pushed Alex Ferguson and the rest of the league to be better, fitter, more uh, technically proficient but after 2004 he didn't he didn't do what the great artists do right when great artists yeah, no, gets older reinvent, no reinvention yeah. where's the reinvention where's, i mean i thought in 2008 he was going to reinvent himself because that side was great i mean we we had some moments so where, close right I mean, we had some I mean, you know it all kind of went down in birmingham with that gallus on the pitch and all that but um eduardo I, yeah oh hey same game yeah well yeah. let me ask you this do you think do you think this is it for Wenger or will he manage somewhere else? That's a good question. Good question, Dan. Um, what do you think, Pete? I think he's going to go to China. China, really? Just yeah, he's going to go Ooh. to China. I, 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 no doubt <laughs> Why, that he's interested they're, they're in They're the only ones willing to pay he's, yeah, he's used to, He's used to working. He's been to Japan. Well, he's, he's used to working in an Asian culture. He'll probably get 20, 30 million um, a, a season. He knows that he can go to the biggest club in China have complete control over every aspect. And um, I also think that there's got to be something in the back of his mind where he doesn't want to go to a PSG and get found out. You don't think you take like, like, sorry to interrupt, you don't think you take like a director of football role at PSG? We did, uh, six months ago, we didn't know what a director of football is. <laughs> okay. I don't know. It's and a modern I, world. I, I, also, I also think it's very difficult for him to be a director of football because he's lost touch of what makes um, a modern super club great now. Like he's not, he he doesn't have a great reputation in Europe with uh, player agents. He's known as a a bit of a flapper. Like, could you see Arsene sanctioning a three hundred thousand pound a week contract for a superstar player? I can't. Um, so yeah, unless it was like a chairmanship role, which um, is essentially what it could be. How about yeah, it's a, it's how about title. the national side? 
could he could he manage France? I, I that, actually that would be for me. I I would like to see him take the Le Bleu and, and see what he could do with them. Do you I think, think that that's enough good. for him? He seems like a, a guy that has to live it. And like a goal. national team manager is, you know, that's a couple months a year early and and a few weekends I here and there. Be, it's like being in the army reserves. You know, it's not. I think he'd be bored. Yeah, I don't. I think he could. I think he would live in football. He could get you know watch his his guys play around. And he would enjoy it. It would have been um, interesting for him to take over uh, like a a sporting director role of the FA. Mm. Like that could have been interesting. But then again, you're like, you know, he hasn't really generated a lot of uh, stellar youth. He'll um, end up, he'll end up in, at Bayern Munich. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that there's a, a big job in football. I know that in 2008, Barcelona took him off their shortlist um, when it was like Mourinho and Pep Guardiola, I think, I think, were in the running for the role. That's interesting. Your point, China, I think, is, is a really good shout. Yeah. Money. Control is the key. Control. Total yeah. control. <laughs> I think I'd probably want to escape. I'm, yeah. I'd imagine yeah. that there's um, Less spotlight. some pride yeah. damage, right? Yeah. He's not. He's going to probably be feeling a little bit sore um, after that. And like 30 million a year when Ooh. you're that age, you buy lots, lots of houses. <laughs> lots of houses. Okay, so um, that's section three finished. Um, when we come back, we're going to be talking the new managers. Okay, so uh, the management search is hotting up. There are lots of exciting um, irons in the fire. There's been a lot of movement. Um, there's been some names that have been sticking, some that have been falling away. Um, I think uh, we can level set straight away. I think that the manager, that uh, Ivan Gazidis, if he had his choice, um, it would be Arteta. Um, I think he's very excited about bringing someone new on board that he can control, that he can be the kingmaker of. And you're you're borrowing from the greatest manager on the planet. I think that uh, Raul is interested in Enrique. I think having a, a cl- like working with him in the past, he obviously rates him very highly, as do um, Chelsea, uh, apparently. And then, then there's the list that goes on from there. I think there's a lot of nervousness about Patrick Vieira. Um, we've got Jardim um, still in the running. Tuchel still hasn't signed to anyone, although that would be a, a bit of a risk. Um, uh, and Jardim. So let's talk through the managerial options. Firstly, I want to know who people's choice for a manager is and why. Dan, give it to me. I'm, I'm still, I'm still with Jardim. I think he's. He's the guy that's going to come in and and figure out what to do with the squad. You, you see, he's incredibly flexible with any given group of players because that changed so much in in his time from year to year. And I think he can apply that skill, figure out what resources he has at his disposal, and shape something new and give us a new direction. And he's great either whether he's playing defensively and needs to shore up the team, or if he's playing. An exciting attacking brand of football. He can, I think, he's flexible enough to do either, and he's got he's got major experience. So I think that's still the guy for me. Trent, who's yours? Ooh, I love Allegri, but he's obviously not going to come the way of the Arsenal. I love Sorry, but he scares the living shit out of me. <laughs> just for how they, you know, Napoli play out of the back of the goal and pass it. I mean, it's just it's beautiful, but it's frightening beauty. Um, I still think Ancelotti's going to come back into this. He's just turned down the Italian national job. 
And he just kind of has that stability written all over. I know he's not the progressive manager we want that's going to come and, you know, go for the future, but I think he's going to come into this. I do. Um, there's so many. I don't know enough about this. Uh, what is it? Nagels? Nagelsmann. Yeah. I mean, he, if he goes the way of Klopp, the way they're playing, what do you think, Pete? I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be between um, Enrique and Arteta. Um, but I think Enrique is, um, is too big a personality for the club. I think that he wants, like there was um, Duncan Castles wrote that the board thought that his hiring would be inappropriate. I think he wants 200 million pounds to, uh, to, to spend. Um, and apparently they don't like his um, self-absorbed management philosophy. Um, and also just from a personal perspective, I don't really see what his managerial superpower is, although I'm going to pass that over to Dan um, to talk us through in a bit. But I think, um, I think Jardim would be an incredible, incredible hire. Um, everything you read about him, it's fantastic. He doesn't, he doesn't come with the glamour that some of the other managers come with, but like, you know, very much in the mold of Pochettino, it's not about him. It's about the team. It's about, um, like he, it, like he, he builds based on a brief. So he can be super defensive. He can be, you know, super attacking. He can work with young players. Like he's always, um, developing and, and, and making people better. That's why I think he's suited and he's got the right experience. But I think Nagelsmann is really, really interesting. Um, 28-year-old first-team coach of Hoffenheim. Uh, the local press thought it was a bad PR stunt um, when it happened, but he's um, he'd been mentored under Tuchel, so he understands that uh, that crazy technical side uh, of the game. Um, he's got influences of, of Pep Guardiola, um, uh, Rangnick, uh, Klopp. Like, there's so many elements uh, to what he's bringing, and I, I love the comment that. Uh, like being a football manager is 30% tactics, 70% social competence. Um, we need a manager to come in to fix uh, the club, the infrastructure, um, and a broken dressing room full of cliques and egos. And I'm, I'm told from numerous sources that, um, that Arteta is um, not the nicest personality. Like apparently he's very, very difficult um, a bit arrogant can, can according to sources, be belittling um, at times. And that I think is surprising to hear. I have to say, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Have, it seems I like such a gentleman. Yeah, none have thought that. The, yeah, the story that was leaked to the Sun is apparently um, true. Where like a lot of the players think that he's um, a little bit arrogant, and the club need somebody who can build and you know like unite players like Klopp. And I don't know whether that is. Uh, Arteta. I know so, I mean, some people will argue and say, "Look, that's the difference between elite mentality and non-elite mentality." I don't believe that. Like, you can run a club like Mourinho, where it's spiteful and it's mean, and people live in fear, or you can run a club like Carlo Ancelotti and and Klopp. Like, Carlo is one of the most successful managers of the last ten years. Like, he uh, like players love him. He he speaks to players like they are humans, um, not robots. And I think that he understands how to build a culture. And if Arsenal want to be a club of values, do we want somebody who's got that mean streak to whip people into shape? Or do we want someone who can do all of the smart bits around the game, but also like build a club that everybody's proud of? So I think that, um, I think Nagelsmann is the right level of excitement. I think that he's got, um, too soon. I, I, I think that like he's, 
probably taking Hoffenheim to the Champions League for the second season in a row. Like most managers who accidentally get their team into the Champions League fail hard when their small little squads have to deal with Europe. Like he's had a second wind after being rejected by Bayern Munich as too inconsistent. Like he smashed Leipzig uh, the other week. He's climbing up the table. Like I just think that that's uh, Arsenal signing Nagelsmann could be like Chelsea signing Mourinho back in the day when he said that he was the special one. That feels like the sort of glamour, the sort of uh, buzz that yeah, you want around Yeah, but we're talking about Mourinho that just won the Champions League. Maybe it's like Wenger from coming back from uh, Japan, you know, like a, a new, exciting uh, sort of guy that's uh, bringing new thought to it. Because Nagelsmann, he's, he's, um, he's a really smart Bundesliga guy, right? And that's where all, all the major tactical innovation and thinking in football seems to be coming out of the Bundesliga these days, right? Yeah. So he's he's part of that wave. Don't you want to get in on that wave, you know, before he's crested? I mean, Jardim's in a distant way, too, just for who he's signed and how he's done it in a budget and where they've gone. And that's kind of exactly what needs to happen with the club. We need somebody to rebuild. And he makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. You don't, yeah. th- you don't think Nagelsmann has the stature I, no, I think, to, I think to he hold could, the reins? I, I just don't know enough about him. I mean... Yeah. I think that, yeah... It, I, I, from the the way it reads and the, the the parts that are coming out in the press, I think Gazidis wants a flashy signing. I, 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 know, I know it sounds rubbish, but uh, there's not as much sexiness about Jardim. Do you know, do no, you know what I mean? I think the English is somewhat poor as well, but yeah. um, there's something about like the hipster German Klopp. I'm, not, I'm sorry, <laughs> not Klopp, Tuchel, and I kind of feel like he falls in that category. He just... I don't know. That's me. My, my well, you think he's got cool glasses? No, so. just like, you know, hipster Wearing. football, German. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so th- th- a lot of um, a lot of talk about Enrique. People are talking about he wants a fifteen million pound a year salary. Fine. Um, people are saying that he's <laughs> two hundred million dollar budget. Get him in. <laughs> yeah, he's already gearing up. Um, like his his backroom team. Like he's like going to raid Celta Vigo for their coach. He's bringing back his old scout. Um, there's only one story that says that he's now off the agenda and that's from Duncan Castles in the Sunday Times today. Um, but my my big question about Enrique was, apart from winning all the big trophies, bettering Pep's um, trophy haul over two seasons, what's his superpower? And Dan, you've done a little bit of digging around um, to, to get the, the lowdown. I on. think his superpower is that, is that powerful lower jaw jutting out. It just it just radiates authority and passion, right? Like a like a hardcore raver. I quite like his night trainers he wears. Too. Yeah, <laughs> he's got he wears nice clothes. He's a big fan of like old school Oakleys too. Yeah, could use that '90s touch. Has but... a skinhead and has a skinhead, and he's not actually bald. <laughs> yeah, amazing. But uh, yeah, I think that's confidence. I think um, no one no one seems really excited at all about Lucho, right? I think it's just because he's got he's got no momentum at the moment. You know, because his Barcelona career rather fizzled out at the end. So I don't think anyone feels like he's going to come in and charge things up. Fizzled out. I think they came second with 90 points. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, but exactly. So I I just want to say, like, let's. Let's uh, let's not be upset about it, though. I think that's he's still like a pretty good candidate. Like and he's, you know, yes, yes, he worked with Barcelona, who's got, you know, all the star power in the world. But he's he's also done his time, like just like Pep did his time. With Barcelona Bay, um, so has Luis Enrique. He he managed them for three years, 
in his time with the B club, you know, he brought them up from um, from Segunda which is the the third division in Spain. He brought he got them promoted to uh, Segunda A, the second division, and then in his in his final season there, he finished third, which which would normally put you into the uh, the playoffs to get promoted into La Liga. Of course, he can't because Barcelona already plays in La Liga and their B team can't join them. But you know that that's a pretty impressive progression. Um, so a couple players he coached there: uh, Nolito, Mark Bartra. Sergio Roberto, Tiago, um, Jonathan Dos Santos, Rafinha. You know he's got he's got a few guys that you know you you recognize now that were part of um, under his tutelage at, in the B team, right? So he's he's kind of he's done he's done the time developing players too, and in between then, you know he's he didn't quite do a lot. You know he went to Celta Vigo and Roma. He didn't really do much either, but he you know did decently. And then when he came back to Barcelona, he had. Obviously, an amazing first season, winning the treble right off the bat. Um, I think he won the double the second season. He, I think he won Copa del Rey every season he was there. But at the end, I, I don't know. It just, it just kind of, even like you said, even though he finished with second with ninety points or whatever it was, he, it just didn't seem like it didn't seem like he had any momentum left because he was losing the uh, the Barcelona DNA. You know, I think he lost Messi. Yeah, he's he lost. Yeah, that was a big part of it too. He kind of seemed to lose Messi. And you remember Messi had the whole contract situation there, and you know, obviously Messi's not going to refuse to sign because of money because they'll they'll pay Messi what he wants forever. So it's got to be the coach, right? He's so, made some pretty suspect signings for them as well. I mean, yeah. he did sign Alex Song. Uh, no, fun. Song was signed before him. I no, think I don't that, think he was. That was a Pep signing back in like 20, sure? 2013. Did he maybe? sign Vermeulen? He did. He signed Vermeulen, Matthew, Arda Turan. You know, he's, he doesn't. Besides, his two good signings were Luis Suarez and Ter Stegen. But those are the only guys you can look at now and say and say like those are those guys have secure starting positions. Right? So also not necessarily him making the signings, right? right? They That's work, true. They work in a, a sporting director. Absolutely. Yeah. Third point. It's, now yeah, works yeah. for the Arsenal. Signings are very, you know, yeah, very, very true. Very political. Yeah. So do, do, do we think that his main offense was just not being Pep? Could you, be. Like Pep brought such a level I, to Barcelona. that In so far as he stopped playing Pep's game. Yes, I think that was his issue because That's one, a good point. once people got accustomed to that that amazing tight game, you know, fast moving tiki taka. Even the players kind of yeah. were like, let's go back. Quick de position, like yeah, going like after they they started to to lose that and just go direct to you know, I mean, they had uh, Messi, Suarez, Neymar, so of course you just play it up to them and see what happens. But I think once. Once they they uh, once you know Xavi retired too to, uh, for his last season. Once they kind of then once that bro- that DNA broke down, they didn't have the ball fizzing around midfield all the time. I think people lost faith a little because they 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 lost what they they felt was very special about their team in the past few years. So do you think? So would you be happy if we hired him? I wouldn't be ecstatic, but I, I think he's he's still proven he's a good manager, and you know he's he's won everything. He's got the experience. He's got drive. My worry is that he he's very like a dogmatic four three three guy, and I don't know if he could just come in and like arrange our players and that and and be successful. You know, I think it'd be a, a lot of work to make a successful team with him. You know, he's not he's not like Jardim who can who can figure out something to do with whatever pieces he's got. Yeah, and he's also he also hasn't done a lot with a little. I mean, I know Barcelona's right. B team. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Whatever, but. I, I feel best like academy you, in the world. Yeah, you, I, I think that you, we need somebody that could come in 
and work with 70% of the team next season, move players on, motivate people to to be better and have an interesting system that's um, difficult to deal with. We didn't really talk about Sarri either. Well, we did. We did. Briefly. Briefly. I, I think he's an amazing coach and he's doing brilliant things with Napoli, but he just can't see us signing someone who's an accused racist and a homophobe. Yeah. And I don't know whether... I don't know whether you'd really want that. No. I'm not sure that that's Arsenal. That's a Chelsea, that's a Chelsea manager right there, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that it's Arsenal. And can you imagine how racist and homophobic you have to be to be called out in Italy? I mean, oh, it, it well, must, yeah. I, I haven't really looked into it, but it's, there's got to be something It was, Manc- there, it was Mancini. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right, Mancini. Yeah. Um, and I think that there but was... beautiful football. Beautiful yeah, football. there was a little bit of um, <laughs> disappointing. Um, so on the Nagelsmann bit, uh, yeah, there's a, a, a guy in a, a format that said there was a piece um, about the manager in Build on Sunday which reinforced some things that others know already. This is from like Dash Now. So I don't know what it is. Anyway, the guy <laughs> said, um, it's absolutely impossible to get Nagelsmann this summer. He's flirting with other clubs was an ego-pushing thing he did on his own. Both Dortmund and Leipzig have uh, tried, um, but due to some clauses in his contract, he isn't available, uh, available to leave Hoffenheim at the end of the season. Um, but he'll be sought after next year. Uh, Favourer uh, has emerged as a front runner as a new Dortmund manager. Um, is, there's a three million fee to sign him, um, and then apparently um, Salzburg's Marco Rose will go to Leipzig. Um, Hassan Hutl's job at Leipzig is now in serious danger. So it's amazing. Like he went from being oh, hot quickly shit. His to nothing. have changed. My yeah. God. Um, Yet another hipster German manager. <laughs> yeah. Hipster Austrian, sir. But basically the gist of this post is that no, no club is going to sign Nagelsmann. And as much as I'd like to think that that's the truth, I read that the sporting director at Hoffenheim would not stand in his way. And if Arsenal came in and said to Hoffenheim, look, we're going to give you some money or we're going to unsettle this guy. Cause I mean, do you think Gazidis is that is he's got the bravado to make that move though for a twenty eight year old? Well, Gazidis is after Arteta. Maybe that's the type. Well, of Well, I think he that's wants. Just, but look at what that. Look at what I think the, it's all. It's got to be budget oriented though, right? But, he's going to pay him. What you're going to pay him? Look at what the LA Rams did. They they made a bold move and it. Yeah, you know the NFL now. Is this manager that Absolutely came in? Is he? Not. I do not know. The oh, you NFL. don't. <laughs> that's the NBA. I'm, I'm no sorry. longer. Yeah, no. It'd be um, it'd be interesting, but um, I, I, the, it feels like the field is starting to narrow. Um, we didn't get the chance to talk about um, Fonseca, um, who Guillaume Balague, um thinks that we might uh, be interested in signing. Um, he is at Shakhtar. They play some pretty um, mesmeric football at times. And there's also the uh, assistant under Bielsa, um, who I forget his name, but he got cancer. He was managing uh, um, Sevilla, who's also being considered. So Arsenal really are casting a wide net. I think that there's the tier one managers. Conte must be in a consideration set. Maybe Tuchel will come back in there. Tier twos are where I think we're going to land. That's your Nagelsmanns, your Jardims, your Fonsecas. Your budget. And then the the tier three, I just hope that it's not Patrick Vieira. And I genuinely believe if we go for a complete curveball with very little coaching experience, it's going to be Arteta. So, um that's all we've got time for today. Uh, thank you for joining us, Trent. Thanks for having me, boys. It was uh, it was great having you on. Thanks for joining, Dan. Yeah, thanks again. And uh, we'll say goodbye. And then hopefully, in the maybe the next time we do a podcast, we're in the Europa League final. Don't know. No. <laughs> yeah, so enjoy that. Um, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, remember to follow on Twitter, at LaGrove. I'll post up Dan and Trent's Twitter handle so you can give them a follow too. And uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Um, that's us done. Ciao for now. Cheers. Salut.
whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Bears beats The Office on Peacock. Stream every moment from Dunder Mifflin and explore bonus extras and exclusives. Plus, if you're looking for more classic hits, you can stream every episode of Parks and Recreation, Two and a Half Men, and every season of SNL. In the mood for something brand new? Check out Peacock's original comedies, The Amber Ruffin Show, and Saved by the Bell. Whether you're craving a new binge or familiar fave, you can find tons of comedy hits on Peacock. Get started for free at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.